This morning, we have the, the pleasure of welcoming Teen Challenge to our midst. How many of you have heard of Teen Challenge? Let's hear it. Teen Challenge is a unique ministry that is very much needed in our, in our times, in our generation. I personally had not heard of Teen Challenge until I went to Bible college. One day, a friend of mine came up and he gave me this book, and it was The Cross and the Switchblade. And this morning, I was having a conversation about that. I took, I took it home. It was about this big. It took about a couple of hours to read through the whole book. It was a book that really did change my perspective on ministry. And that very spring, I had the opportunity to go out to Southern California and work with a Teen Challenge out there. Let me tell you, if there was a time that changed my life, it was that one week. To be able to go into the midst, I don't know if you know of Inglewood, California. It's one of the, the most gang-infested areas of the West Coast. And right there in the middle of it, where even the cops are afraid to go, there is a Teen Challenge Center with a pastor who, was, who went through Teen Challenge. He was up for two murder charges because of his involvement with gangs. God had restored his life and brought him back to lead Teen Challenge, and there are countless number of men and women who've gone through those centers there, and just being able to hear stories of how God had restored. It's not just addictions. Uh, my, my wife had worked with Bombay Teen Challenge. They work with people who get caught up in the sex trade industry. There are uh, teen challenges out in the Middle East in Muslim countries. There are teen challenges in Africa. There are teen challenges in South America. Teen Challenge has grown into worldwide ministry, and it is so needed. And so this morning, we're so glad that Fred and his team is up here. Come on up, guys. We look forward to hearing what God has to say to us through you guys. Amen. Good morning, everyone. As Pastor Marvin said, uh, my name is Fred, and uh, I am the development slash choir slash, I wear probably three or four hats for the Ministry of Teen Challenge Boston, but uh, it is a blessing to be here with all of you today. On behalf of uh, our director, Pastor Jonathan Mello, and myself, and uh, the other men who are unable to come here today, this is just a small representation of our campus. We actually have another team that's uh, somewhere else in the state uh, doing the same thing as we are today, proclaiming the gospel of uh, God's grace. But uh, Pastor Rick and, and to all of our Mount Hope family, thank you guys so much for your uh, invitation to be here with you today. Thank you for your continued uh, support and prayers and financial um, what we do would be impossible without partnerships with churches such as yours. So thank you so much. Um, just a quick, uh, I know that Pastor Marvin asked if anybody, by a show of hands, who has heard of Teen Challenge, is there anybody who has not heard of Teen Challenge before? My job is going to be extremely easy today. I like that. Um, real briefly, we are from the Boston campus. Uh, we're one of, um, set, we're one of, eight campuses in the seven states of New England as well as New Jersey. Uh, I am excited to announce, um, if you don't know this yet, but we will be opening up uh, an adolescent girls' home in Massachusetts. It's, uh, it's called Bloom uh, for Girls. Uh, it's basically for girls that I believe the ages is 10 to 16, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're just waiting on a location right now, but as soon as we are able to acquire the location, we, that program will be up in full swing. Uh, we recently were also donated a, um, 
a property with a couple of buildings. It's actually a church property in New Jersey. We're going to be opening up our second adult woman's home in New Jersey. And it'll also be the first Teen Challenge Center of its kind in the United States. It's actually going to be also helping sex traffic victims as well. So we're very, very excited about that. Amen. If, um, if you would kindly keep that up in your prayers, we would be so grateful. Um, we love to pray at Teen Challenge, but we also know that there's power in prayer, and the more that we can get that out and have people praying uh, uh, for God's provision for, the, for both of those ministries, we'd be very, very grateful. Um, I am 43 years old. I know I don't look it, but I am. I shave, so I look a little younger. Um, I came into the ministry at Teen Challenge when I was 36 years old. Um, I was broken, lost. I was bound to multiple addictions. Uh, my main addiction was heroin. Uh, but I can tell you, I earned my place in Teen Challenge. Um, it wasn't my first choice. Teen Challenge was my last hope. Uh, for the mo- many of the men, you'll probably hear that it wasn't their first choice. A 15-month residential program isn't many people's first choice. A thir- give me a 30-day program, a 60-day program, maybe a 90-day program. And I can do that. But 15 months, you're asking a lot. And I have to love others as I love myself. But I love me. I, I'm an addict. I love me, you know. Um, I guess the point that I'm trying to get to is most people know Teen Challenge as a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. But really, for anybody who's been there for longer than 30 days, they will testify that the program really is its a Christian discipleship ministry for men and women who are broken, who are bound by addiction, and have pretty much tried every other avenue available to them, whether it's jail, whether it's medication, whether it's, um, you know, detox after detox, inpatient, outpatient. I tried all of that, all of those things, and nothing worked. The only thing that worked for me was coming to this cross and giving my life to Jesus Christ. That was the only thing that worked for me. Um, To shorten up my testimony real quickly... I can pretty much sum it up. The three most important things that I've learned in Teen Challenge is simply this. Anytime I need to hear God laugh, I just tell him what my plans are. (laughs) And second is that there is definitely a God and I am not him. And the third thing is, is that Jesus Christ has done for me the one thing that I was completely incapable of doing for myself. And that is restoring my relationship with God. And I'm so grateful for that. It's such a privilege and an honor to be able to serve in this ministry, to be able to to help other men who are trying to find their way as well. Uh, As I invite the guys to come on up. There's really um, three reasons why we go out and visit... um, churches and and we have the choir ministry we we do a lot of things in the city we do a lot of different outreach work Um, you may see some of the guys standing out in front of a store passing out literature um, you know with a fundraising box Uh, we we go out we do contract work we shovel a lot of snow uh, in the winter in Boston we actually shovel the Fenway Triangle all the sidewalks Uh, we stay very very active and busy Um, but the choir ministry is probably one of the for my I know for myself it's probably one of the most favorite things that we do and uh Basically, we come out for three, three reasons. The first is to p- proclaim the gospel of God's grace. You know, each one of these men that are standing up here are representations of that grace. All of us here in this room today are, are representations of that grace. 
As Paul says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of his good grace. The second reason is that we want to let everybody know that there is hope beyond addiction, beyond what society's statistics will tell you is is that once an addict, always an addict. You're going to be, you're either going to end up dead or in jail, and that's it. No, there's a lot more to that. There's a lot more. The story doesn't end there. It doesn't have to end there. If there's anybody, just by a show of hands, if you don't want to raise your hand, I understand there's, there's a stigma, but it, it doesn't need to exist, especially in a church community. Is there anybody who has a loved one or a friend, a neighbor, family member, someone that's bound in addiction, alcohol, drug addiction? Okay. There is hope beyond that. Please, if, if, if Teen Challenge is, a, is an organization that can help with that, um, please let us know. We have some information at the table outside. But know that each one of the men that are up here, along with 15 others, all thought the same thing. Don't give up hope. Do not give up hope. We serve a mighty God who is capable in, of doing so much more than we uh, could even imagine or hope for or even understand. I just want to encourage you with that today, and uh, I'll share the third reason afterwards. I want to invite uh, um, my brother Ricky to come up and share his testimony. Good morning, church. How are you? Uh, My name is Ricky. I'm 41 years old. I'm from uh, Lynn, Massachusetts. Um, I grew up actually all over the North Shore. Um, I am from divorced parents. I'm the oldest of six children, and... um, my dad had me when he was 15 years old, so he started out really early, and he was, uh, you know, he was my best friend. He was my hero. Um, we were so close in age growing up that his friends were my friends, my friends were his friends. He owned a business. He was a master mechanic. He was a master auto body technician, a master welder, and I became all those things just like my dad. Um, my father, mastering everything, the one thing that he couldn't master was sobriety. My father was, uh, had a massive, massive drug habit. So I did too. I started using at 14 years old. My drug of choice was heroin, intravenous heroin. Started young. And that wandering in that, in that sin, wandering in that drug addiction uh, for 26 years, um, along with drug addiction comes everything that you are because of it. I was a relentless liar, a relentless thief, a relentless manipulator. Whatever you had on you that day, I looked to get it. And I'd do anything to get it. And then um, all that drug addiction, all that, that use brought me to a place where I, w- I found myself lying in Salem Hospital. I had four major heart attacks from my usage over all those years. I was 115 pounds, 117 pounds at the time. I had hepatitis C. I couldn't even walk on my own. My feet were, uh, I couldn't feel the bottoms. I couldn't feel my toes. I mean, my life was just a, a mess. And all this time, you know, everyone says, you need to see God, see God. And I just always curse God. I was out doing whatever I want. My father died at 53 years old. My brother died in Afghanistan. Coming up Monday, it's a good day to honor my brother. And um, it was just another reason for me to use. So then um, I found myself, like I said, coming out of Salem Hospital, waking up on life support. I just had four major heart attacks. I had a left ventricle disorder. My heart had shrunk halfway and on one side, and I needed a valve it was just sticking open and sticking closed. I wasn't getting blood to my extremity. I really beat myself up. 
And then um, Salem District Court told me about this place. I was facing another three years in prison to add to the six that I've already done in my life. And um, he told me about this place called Team Challenge. And I had to go. I had one choice. I had to go here for 15 months. And if you can even do this program for 12 of that 15 months, I'll wipe your record clean. Let's see if you can do it. So I had, I had some hope, you know. So I go there. I go there in a wheelchair. They drop me off there. And I'm like, where am I, you know? What is this? This guy's singing about God. I don't, this is crazy. People are downstairs praying for me. I can't even walk down the stairs. I couldn't feel my feet. I could feel chest pains all the time. Now, the doctors, what the doctors told me, it was impossible to do with medication, okay? What the doctors told me it was impossible to do without seeing a surgeon for my heart. God did for me without any of that, okay? He did. Amen. What God did is he, he brought me to my knees. What I didn't realize is that he had his sovereign hand over me all those 26 years. What I didn't realize is that there was a good purpose and a plan for his good, pleasing, and perfect will to be used through me. So I gave my life to God, and he changed me forever. For I stand in this program my 23rd month right now, over the past three years. Amen. gifts that God gives me through Teen Challenge is that Teen Challenge offers us a place with an atmosphere to seek him and find him for the longevity of the program, to turn over our will and know how to keep our will turned over to God for our whole and the rest of our lives. Teen Challenge offers us uh, camaraderie, brotherhood, unity, how to be responsible for for, for someone other than yourself, how to recognize the needs of others and new brothers and act on them because it does say that it's sin if it doesn't. My God did take my brother from me, but he allows me to have 30 new brothers, 30 brothers that are made under his sovereign hand. You know, God had given me a father, his son, and Jesus Christ, which I can look towards as my strength, my rock, my foundation. But I can just flourish by knowing that God is my strength. Thank you for your support at Teen Challenge. Without your support at Teen Challenge... I wouldn't be able to be, these brothers wouldn't be able to be sanctified at a place, set apart from the world to just concentrate on who they are in Christ. But they get another chance. You know, God is good. He healed me. He said, I sinned before you as a living, breathing miracle. And I did nothing to deserve it. And his grace and mercy, his abundant love. Um, I'm going to leave you with a scripture. Let's see. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to the eternal glory in Jesus Christ, after you suffer a little while, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him the power forever and ever. You have to forgive me. It's, uh, it's been... It's been a little while, actually, since I've done a choir presentation, and I actually forgot to mention something. Um, everyone, when you came in, uh, you probably received one of these brochures, and in the brochure is actually a little card. Um, is there anybody that didn't receive one when you came in? If you could just pop your hand up, have somebody come around and hand you one. Brother Gene, if you could do that for me, please. Um, briefly, the brochure basically has on the back of it, uh, has a, a listing of all the centers in New England, 
contact information, uh, email, if you'd like to contact the campus for a loved one. Uh, if you know somebody that can use the program, there's basically some information inside. Please put this into somebody's hands. Don't leave it in your car. Don't leave it anywhere other than put it where it's going to make the most use. Information is power. Just giving this to somebody and say, hey, you know, I was in church today. I heard that your nephew, your son has a, an addiction problem. I just wanted to hand this to you as an option. Maybe it's something that you would consider. Um, inside also is a, a prayer card. Uh, this actually serves two purposes. Um, on this side, you will see some contact information. Uh, if you'd like to fill that out, uh, we would love to stay in contact with you. Uh, we have an email newsletter that we send out monthly, um, which is a testimony of a student, also a testimony about something that we've done you know, that month within the campus, uh, whether it's in the city or you know, something that's going on. Uh, we would like to also invite you to a couple of events that we have every year. Uh, we'd also like to just call you and thank you for your support as well. Um, but if you do check off either mail, email, or phone, we will respect your wishes. If you'd just like to receive something in the mail, you'll just receive something in the mail. But more importantly, on the other side, uh, is a list for prayer requests. Um, a lot of these men, I know myself, when I came to the program, I didn't know how to pray. Let alone, I could pray for myself, but I didn't know how to pray for somebody else. This is actually a, uh, it's a teaching tool. Um, we get together every morning corporately. We get together and we pray. And the, the brothers pray for these cards, the needs that are on these cards. So if you would like some people, some prayer warriors praying for you, please fill out any prayer requests. You don't need to fill out the contact information. If you just want to fill out the prayer card request, we'll still pray for you. You don't need to give us your contact information. Um, and most importantly is we're all products of prayer. I know that each one of the guys that are up here will probably share in their testimony that they're a product of prayer. I know my grandmother and my mother prayed me into the program. Once that started happening, I didn't have a choice. I had to go. So um, if you could kindly fill these out, we will be collecting these during the next song. Um, and towards the end of the song, if you would take just a quick moment, hand those out. One of the brothers will come along. Once you're done with it, if you could just hold it up, and they'll come along and collect it. Thank you very much.
morning, church. My name is Richie. I'm 34 years old. I'm from Western Massachusetts. Um, where I was born, I was born in Scotland. My father was in the Navy. Um, came back to the United States when I was around two. Um, from there, um, my mother, she heavily abused me. Um, they found me covered head to toe in cigarette burns when I was around four. Amongst other things I'll not talk about. But um, my, my father decided to take me overseas to different countries. So from there, I lived in Italy. I've been to Germany. I've been to Spain. I've touched down in Northern Ireland. Um, it was great. I do remember Italy. Um, so from there, uh, I came back to the United States, and uh, my father remarried, so he decided to put me in foster care. So from there, obviously, I became a rebellious kind of a kid. Um, so from there, I started getting in trouble with the law, obviously, um, because I had no direction. I did around two and a half years in uh, lockup programs before I turned 18. I was committed to DYS. So, um, you know, needless to say, that life catapulted me into the life of just dismay. Um, searching for freedom, um, just, you know, riddled with pain, fueled by anger. Um, I just, I ran the streets and uh, I ran it on a torrid pace. Um, I, uh, in and out of programs, jails, detoxes, um, hopping trains, uh, following festivals, uh, just searching for a family or anything around that would bring me um, some, some just family. Um, so from there, I, uh, I just, uh, life became out of control, unmanageable. Um, so I, uh, I searched for a place that, that really could could do work to me because all the other programs I just manipulated my way through. Um, but really I found out I was manipulating myself. Um, so I found a program because I was banned from everywhere from where I'm from. I found a program called Teen Challenge. And um, I said, well, just another place I can, uh, you know, work my magic and, uh, you know, get a few meals, uh, some clothes and, and leave. Um, but God checked me at the door. Um, he was having none of that. Um, so I, I've, I've been in his place, and, and through there, I've, I've found true brotherhood, which, is, which kept me there and kept me calm and made me still. So from there, it was easy for me to open up, and it's something I've never done. Um, I've only been here five and a half months. I've, I, this is hard for me to do, but I'm not doing it for myself now. I'm doing it for the Lord. And so much that he's done for me. So... So now I actually, I have hope and I, I do have a future and, um, and I'm proud to be standing here today in front of you fine people. So the scripture I would leave you with was, is good old Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans to give prosper you and give you, uh, not harm you, give you hope and a future.
Well, if somebody told me I'd be sitting here in the church telling my uh, story to you guys, I would say you guys are crazy. <laughs> uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Stephen. I'm from Medford, Massachusetts, and I'm 36 years old. I've been in the program going on nine months now. Um, let's see. Thank you. I'm a, let's see, my mother and father were divorced when I was about five years old. Uh, my mom cheated on my father with the stepfather I have now. So my childhood really wasn't that great. Um, so I turned to sports, uh, mainly hockey, and uh, just kind of got my aggression out on the ice, did whatever I had to do uh, to stay away from my house. Um, it just wasn't a place that you'd want to be. Um, going through uh, school, I traveled um, through the country, Canada, playing sports, uh, hockey, and um, been to all private schools uh, because of it, um, and uh, got in a serious car accident uh, when, I was a, when I was in high school, and uh, I had a scholarship to play hockey uh, for a D1 school, and uh, I lost it uh, because of it, um, and that's kind of really where my uh, addiction took me. Um, I really didn't know what to do in my whole childhood, my whole life with sports, and uh, you know, when you don't have that, you know, you kind of, I felt lost. So um, just what led, led me to drinking, um, I did that for many, many years. Uh, you know, I always uh, thank my father for uh, trying to get me well. He did everything he possibly could. I've been to so many, you know, alcohol programs, you name it, I've done it. Um, to a point where uh, it ended up in Maine for the past 10 years trying to get sober, doing the same thing. Ended me in uh, jail. I uh, got out February of 2015. I did a year and um, took my addiction with me. I couldn't wait to get out. Um, it stayed pretty. I came back to uh, Boston and um, I met my fiance and uh, still drank. Hid it from her for a while. Uh, we got pregnant. Um, and that's kind of where uh, things really. Um, started to backfire on me, and uh, through her and my father, um, they told me I needed to find uh, Jesus and go to Teen Challenge. Uh, so I went. Um, I, I, I said I had to do something about it. I didn't want my my son to uh, know me as as an alcohol as an alcoholic. So I went. I think I lasted two, maybe four days. I, I forget what it was. It was very short. And uh, I said these people are crazy, and uh, I left. I told uh, I told my fiance. I said, "Babe, uh, this is a crazy place." I just walked around with Bibles and talking about Jesus, and I don't know. It just didn't. It wasn't for me. And she goes, "Well, she goes, um, you, know, you don't have me anymore, and uh, you're not going to have the baby as well. You know, good luck to you, and you know, please leave me alone." So uh, I went into a drunken stupor and uh, tried to drink myself to death, and. Uh, well, when that didn't work and I woke up and I still had a heartbeat, I ended up in some dingy motel room on Route 1 in Danvers. And uh, I, I just didn't know what to do. I, there was something in, in Teen Challenge that I, that I felt, and I think that's the reason why I left. Um, I'm pretty good at running away from my feelings. So I called them back, and, uh, you know, by the grace of God, they let me come back. Um, and I was walking down Route 1 trying to get to the bus stop, uh, 
to get to Fields Corner, Dorchester. And some guy that I didn't even know pulled up uh, on the side of the road and said, you need a ride. And I said, uh, he was with a young child on the back of his car, too. Some guy that I didn't even know. I was still half in the bag, too. And uh, <clears throat> as we got talking, he was driving me to the train station. Uh, I told him I was going you know, to a program. He goes, oh, yeah, which one? I said, Teen Challenge. And he looked at me and goes, uh, I graduated from Teen Challenge five years ago. So, uh, so what's the odds of that, you know? So I looked up at God. I said, okay, I, I kind of have a feeling you won't know what me to do. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm nine months into it. I have a beautiful son now. He's two months old. Um, I got a, my, my woman back in my life. My family's back in my life. And, uh, you know, it's a struggle. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard to uh, live with a bunch of guys on top of each other. You know, so many different, you know, walks of life. And, you know, you just do what you have to do, you know. You know, you look for the prize, you know, at the end of the tunnel. And uh, I want to say thank you, everybody. And the scripture that uh, I stand on is First Corinthians 5.17. Um, therefore, um, behold, therefore, if anyone um, comes to Christ, he is a new man. Um, the old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Thank you. Not by society standards, but by God's. I just want to give the, uh, each one of the guys who didn't have an opportunity just to, uh, to share their name, uh, how long they've been in the program, real quick. Um, how you doing, church? Thank you for having us. Uh, my name is Carlos Cruz, and I've been here going on two months now. Hello, my name is Jack Gomes. I'm 33, and I've been in the program for six months. Uh, my name is Richard Reese. I'm from Fall River, and I've been in the program two weeks now. Hello, my name is Justin. I'm uh, 36. I'm from Alabama, and I've been here about nine months. My name is Dominic. I'm going to turn 31. Um, been there for about 10 months. I do that because all the guys, I mean, they don't just come from Massachusetts. They come from all over the country. You know, some from, Dominic's from California. You know, he decided that the West Coast wasn't working for him. Let's try the East Coast. So, um, and, you know, all walks and all ages, addiction doesn't discriminate. doesn't care how old you are. It doesn't care if you're white collar, blue collar, no collar. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's a non-respecter of persons. Um, and Teen Challenge deals with these specific issues. You know, addicts are notoriously difficult people to deal with. Um, I'm sure that if you were to ask any one of the pastors that have tried to deal with someone who's struggling with addiction, it's, it's difficult. You know, we're master manipulators. Um, we're very selfish, you know, and, and uh, we don't always follow through with what we're going to say we're going to do other than if it's going to, obviously, to our uh, wrong choice, you know, but... Um, I, as I had mentioned in the beginning, there is really three reasons why we come out, you know, and, and uh, do choir services at churches. Uh, the first being that obviously we want to share the gospel of God's grace. The second is is that we want to spread hope. We want to let people know that there's hope beyond the chains of addiction. And thirdly, is that um, we need financial support. You know, Teen Challenge being a faith-based organization, we don't receive state or federal funding. 
from the government. Uh, the only funding that we do receive is uh, each one of the gentlemen are uh, permitted to sign up for food stamps, for EBT, and we contribute that to the cost of purchasing food for the house every month. Um, I can tell you that I eat more than $200 of food a month. Um, each one of the guys, did, they, none of them were this big when they came in the program. <laughs> um, and we do have uh, a couple ways that you can help uh, support the Ministry of Teen Challenge. Um, probably the most significant way and the easiest way is we have a dollar a day um, sponsor a student program, which for basically a dollar a day, which when you think of it, it, at the end of the day, it's really the change that you either put in your cup holder in your car or you put on your dresser or in, perhaps in a cup on you know, a table somewhere in your home. Uh, for a dollar a day, you know, you can't really buy much for a dollar. I think you could probably buy a pack of Wrigley's gum still. But a dollar a day can actually still change a life. You know, it can help support a ministry that is bringing change into people's lives, that is introducing people to Christ and making them ambassadors for Christ. Um, if you would be interested in uh, doing this, we do have a couple of gifts for you. Uh, we have a table that's going to be out in the foyer. You can see some of the gentlemen. I'll be at the table myself as well. Uh, we've recently released two books, um, Change Lives. Has anybody gotten a copy of Change Lives yet? Maybe read it? Um, they're basically two books. There's ten stories uh, in each book from men and women who have gone through the program, what they're doing now, um, whether they're serving in the church community or you know what they're doing where they came from, how they made it through the program, and what God is doing with their lives today. And um, there's also a couple chapters, chapter two, I'm sorry, chapter volume one um, has a chapter on drug intervention. A lot of family members don't know what the signs are if a loved one is using. They don't know what to look for in the home. They don't know what to look for in the, uh, the actions of the individual. Uh, volume one has a, a chapter to help you with that. Uh, Volume 2 has a chapter on enabling. Many, I know my mother enabled me right th through my 20s and my 30s, and a lot of us don't realize that enabling is part of the problem. You know, addicts will take advantage of that, and it's just allowing the, the cycle of addiction to continue. Um, we also, Teen Challenge has recently, um, we were blessed to have a relationship with a, a coffee roaster, and Teen Challenge now has its own coffee. Uh, it's called Coffee for Change. It's fair trade. It's gourmet. Uh, I drink a lot of it every day. Um, and we have a couple of these as gifts for you. If you would choose to sign up as a, as a uh, sponsor today, we would love to bless you with these as our, uh, some gifts. And please see some of the gentlemen at the table afterwards. And, again, it's been a real blessing to be here with you today. Um, guys, if we could give them a hand, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for sharing. I appreciate that. Uh, I was glad when Steve got up, I, I thought we'd have all riches, Rickies and Rick. I'm a Pastor Rick. I thought, oh, they're just doing this because that's my name. But uh, we're glad you guys are here. These guys, you know, we were praying for these guys this morning uh, in our prayer time with the elders, you know, saying, you know, this is not about these guys coming up here and performing songs for you. This is about these guys' lives in the midst of change and transformation, just like my life is and your life and anyone who follows Christ. We're in the midst of having our lives transformed. And uh, thank you for being here and sharing with us today. We really appreciate that. One more thing before uh, we wrap up today. We got one more uh, chance for you to hear from somebody who's talking about freedom. 
this is a different kind of freedom. I mentioned in the beginning about spiritual freedom that Christ has given to us. Well, we have missionaries that go out around the world proclaiming that spiritual freedom. And whenever we get one uh, that's coming in our area and get the chance to hear from them, I always want to give you that opportunity. Usually we do that near the front of our service, uh, but this morning Don and Carol were in Belmont at the front of their service, and so they've already shared in Belmont this morning. And uh, I've asked Don and Carol, are you going to come as well or no? Maybe. No, just stand, and we can welcome her. Uh, but Don is going to come and tell us what is going on in the largest Muslim country in the world, Indonesia, and what what they are doing there. Dom, would you come and share for us for a minute? I knew you were going to kiss me. Always, man. Always. How you guys doing? Uh, I'll be quick. Uh, okay, there is a time. Oh, there's the clock. Good. I got a clock. Because if there's not a clock, I just go forever. We'll just go like the Indonesians do at the end of their message, the end of their service. They go another 45 minutes. Anyways, uh, no, so let me just say that, uh, you know, one, I want to thank you guys because from the very beginning, you have been partnering with us. And uh, so when I come back, I always give a, a call, and, and I appreciate just the, the, the 10 minutes you're going to give me or seven minutes or whatever it is. But that's all right. So this thing is it's not a chain, so it's good. Um, when, when I have a chance to just tell you what's happening, I always feel like the Knights of the Round Table. I don't know if you know what the Knights of the Round Table are, but uh, basically what happens with them is uh, these knights, they go out into all the world and they conquer. They, do, they conquer for the king. And after a few years, they come back together and they sit at a round table because no one is the head. And then they sit at the table and they kind of throw all their weapons on the table and they grab a big mug of beer and they just sit and talk about the victories that God has done out uh, as they have uh, or as they've done for the king as they've gone out and things. So I just want to tell you a few things about what is happening in Indonesia and, and what has been going on. We've been out there now for, well, a total of six years, but five years in the in the island that we're working on. And uh, let me just tell you, uh, stop looking at things as if you can't, stop looking at what you can't do and stop dreaming about what you can do. It's amazing if you begin to dream what you can do and you begin to do it. Stop looking at the restrictions. Just stop looking at the law. And telling you you can't do something. Because we went to a place that said you can't do a whole lot of stuff. And I, I don't know. Somehow we figured out how to do it. Like, for example, uh, like the, the, I, I heard you guys donated a lot of money for our project. The Flux. I want to give you another one. Um, and, 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 and so we started a, 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 an art school. I met a friend of mine. God spoke to me, and God spoke to her. We began to talk. We said, let's start a school for underprivileged kids, an art school. And so we, we have five heavens. We have, we have uh, music, dance, uh, video editing. We're actually going to create. We just, I just found out we're actually going to do a, a nationwide movie uh, for all of Indonesia. It's amazing what's happening. And then we're gonna, we have uh, cooking. What else do we have? Fashion. I don't know. We've got a whole bunch of stuff. And we started out with, we just took this place and began to work on it. And, and now uh, we have 50 kids, underprivileged kids, trafficked women. They come, ages 15 to 21, they come. And we, we train them in these areas. But really, in every class, it's really all about godly values. So, like, Flux Life Brown is not a Christian place. But everybody who works there is. 
that's kind of how it works. And so, and now we're in like five schools. We go uh, Flux Road to schools. We're in five schools. We do all kinds of crazy stuff. And then we do weekend workshops. Like we just did um, Dance Revolution. I just saw the picture. If you want to see some stuff, I can show you a couple of videos that we did. They, the, our dancers won the uh, Indonesian Icon Award. I mean, it's just amazing what's happening. And then uh, our, we just did Food Revolution. And, and so we do these workshops on the weekends, like on Saturday and Friday nights. And we have hundreds of kids coming and just being a part of it. And we always teach godly values. See, start dreaming. Stop. Ooh, stop dreaming. Stop. Stop yourself from thinking that you are called to work every day and then to go home and then to retire and die. It's time that we start dreaming. And so, like, so that's one of the things that we do. And we started a community there. Our community, actually, our motto is people helping people. And now in that community, we've seen about 150 uh, or more get saved and baptized. And we're touching 300. And, and we do people helping people. And my heart's desire is like right now we're in two uh, unreached people groups. We have uh, three works going on in the northern part of our, our island, which is all with the Balinese uh, Hindus. And, uh, and in, that, in that thing, we've seen like at least, oh boy, oh, I'd say over 100 uh, Balinese Hindus get saved. And let me just tell you one of the coolest things, one of the coolest things about, uh, about knowing, like the, talking about freedom and who you are in Christ. When they, when they, get, when they come to Jesus, a lot of them, it's a caste system, so they feel like they're a low caste. And so the way, the way that we do the baptisms is so cool because they're very communal people. So we make sure they're all saved, but they all go in the water together, and they're all wearing black. Because they're a community. They go in together. We know, of course, we preach the gospel six times at the place. And then, and then we, we call out their names. And then together, like one, two, three, they all go down together. And then they come out, and they go get changed, and they go from black to white. And then this, uh, this uh, uh, young man that I work with, he, he, he came up with this idea. It's a great idea. He said, listen, they need to know that they are kings and priests of the whole God, most high God. They're not low anymore. They're high. And so at every, every ceremony, at every big religious ceremony in the, other, you know, in the Hindu religion, they release doves. So he gets doves, and he gives every one of a dove, a dove, and he says, now you are kings and queens of the Most High God. And so we're going to release doves. And so they release the doves. It's, it's such a cool, to, and you see them get set free, and see them come to Jesus and see the demonic things just leave their lives. We've seen deaf ears open. We've seen uh, 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 paralyzed women walk. I mean, it's just been amazing. Carol just did a, a clinic the other day, and this guy came in, had ear problems for two years. He, he walks into Carol and, and he, he, she says, well, what's the problem? He says, well, I had this ear problem for two years. He said, but when I walked on the place, it's gone. <laughs> she says, well, what do you want me to do? Well, there's not really much I need to do. <laughs> well, she said, why don't you just go over to the prayer team and go pray? Says, okay, we'll go over there, you know. And so it's so much fun. It's, it's how are we doing? I got, I got a couple minutes. Okay, so that's one thing. And then we, we're in these unreached people groups in Lombok, northern Lombok. Is, it's 100% Muslims. Well, not anymore because we have now two salvations. Hallelujah. It's so exciting to see them coming to Jesus. But see... We just go in and we just love them. We do, we do uh, mother-baby programs. We do health programs. We do uh, backyard gardening because all the kids, they're all well-fed. They're all stomachs are all full, but they're all malnutritioned because they only eat one kind of food. They don't know. They just eat one kind of food. 
And so they're, even though they're well-fed, they're malnutritioned. And so we teach them backyard gardening. We do soccer programs. We do kids programs. We call Ruma Nakpintar, which means uh, House of Smart Kids. And we just keep, keep feeding, keep helping. And so our goal, my goal, my individual goal, my dream is that we get into five unreached people groups. Right now we're in two, and I've actually, maybe ten. But, if, but if, I get into, if I can get into five, I can die. I really believe that. I think if I get into five unreached people groups, you know, this is a people like 100% have never heard the gospel. If I can get into five, I'll feel like I'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. And so our heart's desire. And so just so you know, there's all kinds of stuff that's happening in what we're doing over in Indonesia. And we keep dreaming. We keep dreaming. Final thing, and then I'll stop. We, they, they got the light, so I can't see the, the clock. <laughs> so that means I can go forever. <laughs> they, you know, we, we dream about doing things. And, and when we started that, that art school, uh, there was a time where we, we basically ran out of money. We had no money. You know, I remember telling Mel, I said, Mel, uang habis, which means no more money. And she's like, that's awesome. She's like, those are the magic word God loves to hear. He loves to hear those words. I'm like, okay. That afternoon, I'm in my room, and uh, my cell phone rings. It's like 2 in the afternoon, which is about 2 o'clock in the morning here. And this guy who has a very familiar voice, I'll just call him Harry. I don't want you to know who it is. And, and, and he, he, uh, he's like, hey, Pastor Don, how you doing? You know, and, you know, it sounded more like, yo, Pastor Don, what are you doing? It's because that's how you guys all sound. Anyways, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and I said, is this Harry? And he's like, yeah. I said, how in the world did you get my cell phone number in Indonesia? Because it doesn't matter. I was praying. God said I had to give you money. And then he gave us money so that we could continue to do the stuff. You see, here's what happens. God floats ideas and, and, and projects in front of you. And, like, he floats them right in front of your mind. And, 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 and if you, like, the, if your first instinct is to go, oh, I don't have enough for that. He doesn't get mad at you. He doesn't get mad at you. He just floats the project to someone else. He doesn't get mad at you. He's not like, ah! you know, he doesn't do that. He just, it's just okay. He just floats it to somebody else. But if you say yes to it, if you say yes to it, then all of a sudden, the money starts coming. You know? So we're about to, like, do another huge project. It's way off the charts, and it's, 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 it's the first, it will be the first international community center in our city. Um, we're going to do education programs, uh, retreat programs, training programs. And, oh, by the way, we'll meet on Sunday mornings too, you know. And <laughs> so it's really, so pray for us because we're going for it. We jumped off the cliff uh, and, and we haven't hit the ground yet. And uh, so I'm going to leave you with a scripture verse. But I have to paraphrase. I'm not as smart as you guys. But I want to leave you with a scripture verse. And it's out of Psalm 130. Eight. Actually, my wife shared it with me the other day, and it just blows my mind. That every one of God's promises are backed by the honor of his name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. He is a, a great God, and he has promised to do great things through you. And he will back that with the honor of his name. 
And so like Forrest Gump said, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs>